Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 443. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. And I'm Jeff Sessions. I I'm have sorry, a who? Jeff Sessions. I have a this is my new job because I just <laughs> lost one. Uh I do not recall what that position was, but I am here with you now. So the big news Wednesday. Forget the midterms. Jeff Sessions is out. Yeah, and this was I mean, this happened within twelve hours of most of the major midterm results coming in, primarily that Republicans held on to the Senate. So this is basically just Trump's very transparent way of saying, I've hated Jeff Sessions for recusing himself from the Rus- Russia investigation. So now I'm asking him to quit, which he did. And now I can just appoint whoever I want. And I've got a Senate that will confirm that person. In the meantime, the deputy attorney general is somebody who has gone on the record as being super critical of the Mueller investigation. So this is something we need to pay very, very close attention to because this puts Bob Mueller in kind of a tenuous situation. Yeah, this one scares me, this firing. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Mueller has some stuff ready to go. And now that the midterms are over, because we had heard that maybe he didn't want to release stuff before the midterms to be seen as trying to influence the election, which makes perfect sense. Um, (laughs) You know, let's see if he has stuff ready to go now. We've been waiting, waiting, waiting. It's been, God, close to, it's been, what, like a year and a half since this investigation started? Let's see some results. Right. It's like you don't have to show your whole hand, but... Show a few cards to make sure that we all know you're on the right track. Exactly. And nice. just just to get the country on your side in case Trump were to fire you. Because if you show some interesting uh, material, maybe people will want to continue seeing your investigation play out. And then Trump will feel less, feel more pressured to not fire him. Uh, There was some speculation today from one of Nixon's counsel from back in the day uh, who thought that it might be possible for Mueller to have something like sealed indictments, basically indictments that, you know, are obviously not public facing at this point, um, that he could possibly have something like that up his sleeve in preparation for something like this Um, going into this midterm election. We pretty much knew that Republicans were going to hold on to the Senate so my hope is that he would have something prepared for that very likely eventuality. He's mm-hmm. a smart dude. Yeah. In lighter news, you and Mark finally met the Red Pandas. We did. This was a nice way to take my mind off the midterms uh, the week beforehand. So for those who don't know, for Mark's birthday, 
I got him tickets to a red panda encounter at the Chattanooga Zoo because red pandas are his favorite animals. And we went and we spent some time with this lovely red panda named Avi. We got to feed him grapes out of our hands. We got to pet him. We got to get a whole bunch of information from the zookeepers who sort of were hanging around while we uh, were in the habitat and observed Avi and just interacted with him and learned so much. But it was also just so cathartic. And it, it felt like Christmas morning, to be honest Aww. with you, to see, see, you know, an endangered animal like that, just like a foot in front of you and to be able to touch it and see just like at all of the little intricacies about how it exists in the world. It was so nice. I look back at those pictures and we look so happy. <laughs> we look so happy. It's like a, another era of our lives because right now I'm just like... <laughs> I look back on that time in my life and I was like, oh, to be back with the red pandas. I know. If I could just have a red panda, my life would be a lot better. Mm -hmm. Would you say that Mark's love for the red pandas increased following this encounter? Absolutely. They live up to, you know, they say never meet your, your idols. I know, but when we left, we just like we just kept talking about like we were like, did you see his little teeth? Like <laughs> seeing their like seeing them in the wild or seeing like documentaries and stuff, you would never know that they have these like very sharp, tiny little teeth because mm. they're actually carnivores. Yeah, but they eat mostly a veggie diet, mm-hmm. so I guess you wouldn't expect them to have like these sharp canines. But when he was eating out of our hands, we could see him. And they have these like cute little paws and um, their wrists are very similar to the way bear wrists are. They are not actually bears themselves, but they've got these like wrists that can turn almost 360 degrees to make it easier for them to climb up and down trees and stuff. Hmm. And they're cute little paws. So cute. Red pandas were never really on my radar until you told me that you had gotten this gift for Mark. And then, of course, like a week after... I'm waiting at an intersection and I see a U-Haul go by with a big old picture of a red panda. And it, it, it mentions that they're in Tennessee. Yeah. So right now there's only one at uh, the Chattanooga Zoo because unfortunately um, the mother of the one that we visited actually passed away at the end of last year. Um, but the one that we saw is approaching like breeding age. So they're oh, probably yeah. going to get a mate. Oh, for him yeah. There at some point. Either that or he'll get transferred to another zoo to be somebody else's mate. I think you two should go back for the big mating ceremony. <laughs> and you can like cheer them on. Right. That, go. that go. sounds go. great. <laughs> They're so angelic and innocent. I don't want to watch them fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about the midterm election results, but... Um, First, I wanted to mention this. I actually found this to be the biggest shock of election night. Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, is writing a two-hour movie, and it's going to start filming soon. And the rumor is that it's going to star Jesse, Aaron Paul, um, in the hours, days, weeks, months after the end of Breaking Bad, because you might remember that he escapes his cell and he 
took a car and just drove off, and we never really found out what happened to him. Brian Cranston has also confirmed this movie. Um, he's not sure if he's going to be in it because he says he hasn't read the script, but this is a weird situation for me because Breaking Bad is my favorite show ever, all time. This is like when people say, oh my God, they can't do a Toy Story 4 and end perfectly, or oh my God, they can't do more Charmed, it was perfect, stuff like that. This, I'm like, oh my God, they can't do Breaking Bad, the ending was so amazing, how can they add more to it? I love Better Call Saul, by the way, but that's a prequel. Were you two obsessed with uh, Breaking Bad? Yes, it is also my favorite. Well, not favorite, second favorite. First favorite is The West Wing, but Breaking Bad is a close second. Um, And to me, it represents perfect television. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm also dubious about this. Mm -hmm. Have you watched Better Call Saul? I've watched a few episodes of it, um, and it, it seemed really good. I just, there's so much to watch right now that I never really got into it, but I need to. Yeah. That show just gets better and better, too, because you slowly see Saul become the Saul we know on Breaking Bad. He's actually Jimmy McGill when when Better Call Saul starts, Um, but he's slowly transitioning. And they're at the end of season four now, I believe, and um, Gus is back and a few other characters including Mike. I freaking love Mike. So Me they've been too. doing a really good job with that. And this movie will be interesting. But but it, it comes, the rumor comes just days after The Walking Dead, in my opinion, screwed over fans. They've been hyping up for months. Oh, Rick Grimes' final episodes. Andrew Lincoln is leaving the show. Rick Grimes, final episodes, final episodes. Rick Grimes almost dies, but then he's saved and whisked off via helicopter to an unknown place amc announces after the episode airs oh we're gonna do three movies with andrew lincoln i was like what the fuck is this i mean they did this before with um i forget the name of the actor who played glenn yeah steven young yeah they did a total fake out on that too that's why i stopped watching the walking dead they lost so many viewers after that glenn fake out and the ratings have just been going down and down ever since. I um I think it'll be the same situation with losing Rick. But like who wants to see more of these movies and they're talking about like developing more spin-offs and stuff like that. It's an apocalypse show. We don't need more of this shit. We're living in one. <laughs> but you know what though? Cuz they spoiled this really early and now it all makes sense. You yeah. know? Like the in- for a show that notoriously does not want fans to know who's leaving, how they're leaving, and when they're leaving, they just said, screw it, for Andrew Lincoln. And we've all been hyping it up, giving it free press since this summer. Yeah, exactly. Conveniently right before Comic-Con. Right. You even got to ask Andrew Lincoln, why? Yeah, are they all you- laughed at me. I should have known. They laughed? No, the audience was like, this is a stupid question. We got a really good quote out of it, but... Yeah, that wasn't a stupid question. Like, seriously, I didn't think it was a stupid question either. Like, we should know why. Like, why your main star, why are you letting that go? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, I'm cautiously optimistic about this Breaking Bad movie. Pat actually wants to rewatch the series again, and I'm fucking obsessed with it, so I'll happily do that. So I guess I'll get ready for the movie that way. 
before we talk about the midterms, and we have a lot to talk through, and I think uh, Laura is going to have a lot of feelings to get out, so this might be a bit of a therapy session for her, we just wanted to plug another podcast who we've recently become friendly with. You know when you're walking down the street and you pass by a complete stranger and you think you'll never really know that person's story or, or you might wonder what's going on in their life? There's a podcast I've been listening to called Other People's Lives that gives you a glimpse into the lives and fetishes and the strange addictions and secrets of complete strangers. It's like our confessional segment on Here on Millennial, but it's for a full podcast. Each week, Joe and Greg speak with an anonymous stranger about subjects that would normally be considered taboo. They've spoken to swingers and flat earthers and an escort and a ghost hunter and a 40-year-old virgin and so many other types of people. It's a show that reminds you that you really never know what someone's story is. So we wanted to plug it and uh, tell you to give it a give it a listen. It's called Other People's Lives, and it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. And they're going to be talking about us, too, and it's just a whole friendly relationship. Yay! Podcast love. All right. Well, where do we begin with the midterms? Let's actually... Let's start with you, Pam. Um, Laura and I did a live stream on Tuesday night for an hour. And we were drinking and having fun. Um, so we were hanging out at home. What were you doing on election night? Well, I had some friends in town, so we were at a bar not watching the results, but I was following along here and there on my phone. Um, so it was a pretty mellow night, but as soon as I got back, I was frantically looking to see, you know, um, how the races were going and things like that and followed it through Twitter until about 10 when I went to bed. Were you tempted to find a bar that was showing the election or would that have been too depressing? <laughs> I, I Half of me was, but I also feel like it's too much stress to do it that way. And I think I too was burned uh, by election night on, well, back in 2016, where I wasn't heavily drinking, but needed to start guzzling Pepto-Bismol because <laughs> anxiety was at an all-time high. So, like I said, Laura and I were watching together for a little while. And by the way, you can play that back on Patreon. You can watch it whenever you want. It was a fun conversation. Um, but I got tired of CNN's coverage after a while. And, like, I flipped over to MSNBC for a little bit. But it was just all the same shit. Like, you know, they're throwing that to different people. And then it's the magic wall. And then it's back to one person. And then it's back to Anderson's panel of 3,000 people. It's just over and over. I was I was like, you know what? I'm kind of over this. So by the time we knew that the Dems were going to take back the house, I turned it off. I was in bed probably by about 10 p.m. Central. How late were you up, Laura? Um, well, I was up fairly late because, as Pam alluded to, there has been some uh, gubernatorial drama here in Georgia. Um, so I'll talk about that in a second. But... I wanted to echo Andrew's frustrations with CNN because not only was it very circular and annoying, but CNN is just consistently the last network to make a call about fucking anything. Yeah. By the time some of these races were called on CNN, they had been called 30 minutes to an hour previously on almost every other news network. And I'm like, okay, CNN, I get it. You fucked up in 2000 when you called it for Al Gore. But you got to let that go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but just to kind of talk about why I was up so late. So here in Georgia, 
Um, things were not looking great for the Abrams campaign last night for much of the evening. Kemp had like a 20 and 30 point lead on her, mostly because um, urban and Atlanta districts were taking longer to report. This was because there were so many problems at those polling locations on election day, um, mostly related to voting machines not functioning the way that they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take this moment to point out that it's really super duper convenient that the Secretary of State blocked 53,000 voter registrations from happening. 70% of those were from Black voters. And then the only polling places with issues with their voting machines were majority Black precincts. Mm. So there, there are a lot of accusations of voter suppression happening, which isn't surprising because voter suppression was happening in the lead up to the midterms. Um, right now, there's been a federal suit filed to stop Brian Kemp from actually being the one who oversees the counting of uh, the, the votes in this election, mainly because anybody who's ever watched like a football game knows that you can't referee a game that you're a player in. <laughs> right. Um, and right now it is still too close to call a full 24 hours later. Um, Kemp has a slight lead. He has 50.3% of the vote. Um, in order for him to win outright, he has to get at least 50% plus one vote. So that margin is narrowing on him. And if it gets to the point where he has under that threshold of 50% plus one vote, then we will go to a governor's runoff on December 4th. And that's really what Abrams is hoping for. She's got lawyers here in the state because there are tens of thousands of provisional ballots that had to be pulled as a result of Brian Kemp's exact match policy disenfranchising voters here in the state. So those still have to be verified and counted. There are still something like 15,000 absentee ballots that are not accounted for at this point. So there's just a lot still up in the air. I'm refreshing it every five minutes on my end, but it's been heartening on the one hand because you see that despite the best efforts to suppress the vote, we've still come so close but it's also so fucking infuriating. Yeah, exactly. And and now you have to wait forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to feel like forever to get these results back. Yes, because um, people who voted using provisional ballots have until November 9th to um, return to their polling place with some form of ID mm-hmm. to, to authenticate their registration status. So this could, I mean, if, if, you know, Abrams lawyers find that there's still a significant number of outstanding ballots, this could go on for a couple of days. I mean, Kemp is trying to declare victory at this point, but Abrams is refusing to concede. Yeah, good, as she should. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've seen a lot of people (laughs) complaining about how she needs to concede, and she's just being a sore loser. But when the race is this close... I think any candidate is well within their rights to question the results. Yeah. I mean, Scott Walker was doing this in Wisconsin. And even though I really dislike Scott Walker, it was so close that I felt like he had the right to not want to concede immediately. When you are fighting for this position for months, 
maybe even years, why would you give up so easily if the results look so tight? Exactly. You know? Nobody would. Nobody does. Yeah. But it just turns into partisan bickering every time. And both sides do this. Um, Both sides of the aisle will sort of roll their eyes and they'll want to act like they're the grown up in the room and be like, well, see, this is an obvious immature attempt to not accept the results of the election. It's like, no, we all do it. (laughs) So Stacey Abrams still maybe also in Florida, DeSantis, the Republican versus Gillum, the Democrat. That was a disappointment. It was another close race, though. So close in Florida. It was so close. And even though Gillum has conceded, uh, the margins got even tighter after that point. So now Florida's entering a recount. Oh, sick. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I honestly do not think that it's going to come out in Gillum's favor. But I am happy that a recount was triggered. Um, also wanted to bring up a huge win in Florida. Amendment four passed. This is the one that's going to um, return voting privileges to over a million residents of the state of Florida who had them revoked because they were felons. That's amazing. And you can't help but wonder if they were able to vote this time, what would the governor's race have looked like? Yeah, what a difference it would have made. Um, But it's also going to make a big difference in 2020. And then the other gubernatorial race was uh, in Wisconsin. Scott Walker is out. Fuck you, Scott Walker, you piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> that was it was a good moment. <laughs> yeah, he lost to great. Tony Evers, an extremely close race, by the way. It looks like a difference of only about 30,000 votes. Mm-hmm. And this is just another reminder as the whole past five, 10 minutes has been that every freaking vote does count. I've been drinking some Wisconsin milk to celebrate the Scott Walker loss. <laughs> <laughs> also wanted to plug the fact that uh, Kansas can now join us uh, as a coastal elite state because <laughs> they uh, elected a Democrat, Laura Kelly. She beat Chris Kobach, who is a huge douchebag. Uh-huh. You see that tweet from... Uh... I did. That's what prompted it. Kudos and... to, to that tweet. Oh, no, but I, I'm talking about Ann Coulter. She just tweeted, um, Kansas is dead to me. And somebody retweeted that and was like, you're just bitter that they dropped a piano on your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into some key Senate races now. So, of course, Texas, Ted Cruz ended up winning. We were actually watching live when the first results we were streaming live when the first results from that race came in and Beto had a big lead. And for most of the night, uh, he was ahead. Cruz jumped ahead for a little bit. You know, it was back and forth for a while. But Ted Cruz did end up pulling it out. Um, expected, unfortunately. But damn, that got close. It did get very close. Um, and I just want to drive home because I know a lot of people were feeling really disenfranchised after Beto's loss. He did much better than was predicted even just a couple of weeks ago the polls had him down by several points Mm -hmm. and for a democrat to come that close in texas not to mention i think that he is directly responsible for some of the pickups that democrats did uh in down ballot races so we've uh unseated two texas congressional house members Plus, there were some legislature seats that we picked up. 
And I know that Beto was working heavily to make sure that that happened. I know he was funneling money into those races. Um, he was supporting those candidates. So this is a good thing. And yeah. I also don't think that we've seen the last of Beto. Yeah. I think he is a rising star in the Democratic Party. So I think he'll be back. Do you think he'll run in 2020? That's what what I'm hearing on Twitter already. Ah, you know, I don't know if I could see him actually running for president in 2020 or getting the nomination. Yeah. I don't know if the Democrats are going to want to put the guy who lost to Ted Cruz up against Donald Trump. Here's another Beto fun fact. The entire GOP bench of judges was wiped in Dallas and Houston last night. So that is a big deal. Uh, I think we also have a small clip that we'd like to play from Beto's concession speech. It's just great. Showing the country how you do this. I'm so fucking proud of you guys. <laughs> you know what? It's fine that he said that. Yes, it's <laughs> totally fine. I love how people were freaking out about that. I'm like, okay, one, he lost. He doesn't have anything to lose at this point. And secondly, we've got President Pussy Grabber over at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And you're upset that the guy said fuck? Yeah. But also, he should be proud. I mean, yes. I, I was reading, too, that the the um, he was popular amongst the young voters that especially turned out in Texas. And all of this just kind of points to the fact that while Texas is going to stay a conservative state for now there's no telling what the demographic is going to look like in you know two years four years five years when even more of those people turn out because this should give you hope yes Mm -hmm. and millennial voter registration was up in texas and georgia by over 400 percent this year Mm -hmm. so i agree i think we're definitely trending in that direction um some other senate races um, Indiana, North Dakota, Missouri, and Tennessee all went to the Republican candidates, though that was not unexpected. Um, what is interesting is that Arizona is still too close to call. Hmm. And that so was McCain's Sally, seat, right? Do what? That's McCain's old seat? Correct. Yeah. So you've got the Republican, McSally, and the Democrat, Cinema, And at this point, they're just mere tenths of percentage points apart. So this could get interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also, kind of a surprise to me, John Tester managed to hold on to his Senate seat in Montana. He was the incumbent Democrat. Good job, Tester. Yeah, I want to say, so Mark and I were talking about this last night. John Tester has the most unfortunate name, and I think he should change it because my inbox filters every single email from him into my spam because he's got the most generic white guy first name, John, and his last name is Tester. It's like, oh, this must be spam. <laughs> I keep thinking of testicle or testy. You would. You get emails from a Montana candidate? Yeah, because I donate to candidates all over the country, and I've also made donations to uh, the Democratic Party. So yeah, when you do that, you start hearing from candidates everywhere. Yeah. Well, when I donated to Beto, I was getting tons of emails. I I had to unsubscribe from that stuff. It's just relentless. I had to do the same, but with the ACLU. And I felt really bad, but it's the same thing, kind of. Yeah, they all sent so many emails. And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to to trim down how many emails I get 
especially in the past couple of weeks and uh you know nothing can really stay unless it's, unless it's stuff i genuinely care about anyway another thing i i've seen a lot of people talking about is the fact that the democrats in the senate actually received more votes last night the democrats received 45 million nine hundred forty seven thousand votes the Republicans received 33,477,000. In other words, that is a difference of 12 million votes, and yet we lost two seats, and they gained two. <laughs> well, we had more to lose. Yay, democracy. <laughs> That's how it always goes. Republicans get less votes than we do, and yet somehow they control everything. Mm-hmm. And that's because, I mean, a lot of that is boils down to the fact that these districts are so heavily gerrymandered, but that makes the Democratic win in the House that much more impressive. Yeah, because we had an uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, we picked up about 28 House seats, um, which pushes the Democrats to 222 seats in the House, and they only needed 218 to control. Hmm. So now they're over that amount. Yeah. Um, which is really impressive. So I I do feel very heartened by that. The House is, of course, a big win. I don't know if I would call it a the blue wave that everyone was anticipating and expecting. I think if a candidate like Beto or Stacey were to win, we could maybe call it that. But this was definitely a blue swell. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that for sure. But, uh- but there was also a difference of 12 million votes. 12 million more Democrats received votes. Like, that's a pretty big wave, <laughs> including that uphill battle that we just mentioned. Yeah, I guess so. But it's gonna we're going to need more than that. And we're also going to have to start redistricting and pushing for nonpartisan parties to be doing that redistricting. Democrats and Republicans should not have access to that. There's some other interesting results we wanted to mention. Um, This was the first election in which more than 100 women were elected. Yeah, not to mention many of them women of color. Mm -hmm. This is key because I know that it, it sounds obvious, but I don't think it is to some people. When you have a room full of people who look the same and sound the same and think the same, there's something very wrong. You cannot possibly do anything that is representative of this country when everyone in the room is straight, male, white, and over 50. So this is really encouraging, especially considering the House has its oversight committee. So I am very, very happy to see these women taking on these seats. And two of them are Muslim women. Somebody on Twitter was like, just imagine Mike Pence swearing these two in with the Koran." I hope they do it. <laughs> um, first, we have the first openly openly gay governor, Jared Polis, in Colorado. Can we talk about how great it is that the baker in Colorado who didn't want to give the gay people cake now has a gay governor? Oh, I love that. <laughs> he should he should make it law that you have to be able you have to bake gay cakes. <laughs> By gay cakes, I mean you have to bake a dildo into it. It's a surprise cake, then. <laughs> surprise gay cake. You must bake them. <laughs> um, 
was it? Oh, and uh, speaking of people who hate gays, that woman who refused to issue a marriage license, uh, I'm forgetting her name. Kim Davis. Yeah, that bitch. She's out. She lost last night, too. Bye. <laughs> it's more like, bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh. Goodbye. <laughs> I'd say something nice about you, but I don't like you. <laughs> It's not. I, can I stop stereotyping gay people? What am I doing? I apologize. I don't know. To my fellow gay listeners. I mean, you know, I I'm not going to tell you what you can or can't stereotype about your community. <laughs> how? First of all, just like how do we see this impacting the political environment of this country? Obviously, things are very heated right now. We're more divided than ever. Uh, are either of you going to have uncomfortable Thanksgiving dinners? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I can already sense it coming. I'm prepping for my segues, honestly. <laughs> uh, specifically just because, you know, my family, well, on one side, they're pretty conservative. My stepmom's family is very religious and very conservative. And California, despite, you know, there is a a good chunk of the California public uh, population that does vote Republican, the state tends to turn blue. And I know that, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, for example, being elected governor is going to be a hot issue. And um, probably a lot of the propositions that were passed, you know, that have to do with um, new bonds and stuff like that, that's going to be a big issue. But I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. It's just kind of funny to me that these people, like, they poke a fight. You know, it's like, you don't have to bring that up. But yeah, I know. Why anyway. Why bother bringing it up if you know mm-hmm. it's going to cause an awkward, unhealthy conversation? Like, do you right. get off on that? Like, why else would you? So I commiserate with anybody that's going to go through this in two weeks, basically. Yeah. I'm, like, to, to answer your question, literally, I'm not going to be at home for thanksgiving uh but i don't have any family members who would bring it up like my brother-in-law knows that it's basically off limits my dad might get into a fight with his brother from time to time but he barely even sees him anymore so it wouldn't happen at thanksgiving how about you laura but do you think you anticipating any awkward family moments No, uh, because as I think I've mentioned on the show before, we don't do the holidays with our extended family. We just keep it to our nuclear family and close friends. Mm -hmm. So if anything, we'll be commiserating, which will be great. (laughs) Um, But the thing that's very sad about it is I'm obviously very invested in politics and I like talking about it. And I have friends who are Republicans and friends who are just generally more conservative than me. And we are able to have intelligent, level-headed discourse and disagree mm-hmm. with each other without taking it personally. Was There are certain members of my family I can't do that with. And as a result of not being able to talk about this part of my life that's pretty significant and having to leave it out to avoid a fight, it kind of makes the relationship feel flat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's unfortunate when you can't talk about something that's important to you to people who are going to get offended by the fact that you may not think the same way that they do. So 
that's tough because I feel like anytime I talk to those family members, we're just like, yeah. <laughs> so it's raining. <laughs> you know? It's funny you mentioned that, though, because I, I think just to avoid conflict and, you know, hurt feelings, I find myself more often than not just kind of smiling and nodding and walking away and letting that person say whatever they want to say because it's not worth it, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you know that they're not going to change their minds no matter what you say. So I try to be the bigger person. But then I also kind of wonder if I'm doing them a disservice by not putting another point of view out there. But well, the they're, I mean, they're doing themselves a disservice by not wanting to entertain a different viewpoint, right? Like, right, right. Anytime right. I have discussions with my conservative friends, it's never trying to convince them to think the way that I think, because I know that's never going to happen. Yeah. But it gives me a better perspective on where they're coming from and they get a better perspective on where I'm coming from. And that that's the name of the game. Right. But unfortunately mm -hmm. a lot of these family members we're talking about aren't capable of that. So it's true. Who's the snowflake now? Bitch. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's so true. All this snowflake yeah. talk. Like they're the freaking bitches. See, the other day I was um I, I was with a friend whose family is very conservative and her dad likes to talk politics and he was talking about Kamala Harris and how she's just so mean and her entire campaign and her run has just been based on you know, saying mean things. And then I'm thinking to myself, dude, you voted for Trump and you just told me the other day that you don't care what he says because you like that he's ruthless. Why can't Kamala Harris be ruthless? Probably because he's this a man. Is ridiculous. Exactly. It's like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that we needed to be nice now. Way to show your cards. Well, <laughs> well, women need to be nice. They can't handle women not being nice. Mm -hmm. How are the Dems going to act in the House now? Because we have the majority. We've got subpoena power, which is fantastic. But is anybody worried that they might go too far to the left, start throwing investigation after investigation together, just looking like crazy people who are just trying to shut down Trump. Because we know that Trump has been screaming witch hunt forever. And I imagine that those accu that that name calling is only going to increase now mm -hmm. that the House has control. The Dems yeah, have control. I'm very worried. Um, as it is, Democrats, uh, dealing with Democrats is a bit like herding cats. Um because there are so many agendas and we have this problem on the left of expecting ideological purity. And if somebody does not pass the ideological purity test with 100%, um, then they're blacklisted. Look at the way that many Democrats are regarding Nancy Pelosi right now. She is the presumptive speaker of the house. She was speaker of the house uh, last time the Democrats had a majority there. So she's done this before. We have a new wave of first-time Congress people coming in. And I think they would be well-served to be guided by somebody who's done this before. You don't have to like everything she's ever said or done. But she is good at the job overall. You have to admit that she is. Um, and I, I find it really bothersome that we have this, and I hate to say it, sort of Bernie Sanders effect of if they do not 100% meet every criteria that I have, then I will not support them. That's how we lose elections. That's one of the reasons why we got Donald Trump. 
So Democrats need to stop this. The House needs to pick one thing and focus on it. I would really like to see House Oversight live and breathe tax returns. Make Mm. that your bread and butter and leave Russia to Mueller. Yeah. Don't try getting into any of the other stuff. There's somebody handling that. You like stay in your fucking lane, Democrats. That's all I have to say. Don't fuck this up because if you come across as a bunch of crazies screaming, running around, like we will lose in 2020. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what the Trump administration wants anyway? Yes. They they kind of want Democrats to be their own demise. And I know that we sit here every week and we can't believe the stuff that Donald Trump says or more importantly, we can't believe that people buy into it and eat it up and that his supporters kind of are fueled by it. But that's the harsh reality that we're living in. So the more that you come off as crazy, basically, the more they're going to point the finger and get riled up. And um, I mean, it works, unfortunately. So they definitely need to be firm, but cautious. Another thing that we should probably be aware of is this upcoming lame duck session in Congress before the new members are sworn in in January. Um, These people still have power and they can still do things over these next couple of months. So just because we have a Democratic majority in the House coming next year, we still have Republican control of all three branches of government right now. So we need to be paying attention, um, especially because... Uh, there is a new budget coming in December that Congress has to renegotiate and Trump is still pushing for wall funding. So that may be something that they try to do. So don't get complacent just because it feels like we won right now, because there's still some pretty significant damage that this Congress could do to us over the next six or seven weeks. And despite, despite the, big difference in total number of votes between the right and left the right really did turn out and the republican base turned out in every election that trump was personally involved in and it's a reminder that we still can't underestimate his power even though he's in our eyes screwing up left and right and being a complete imbecile he still has that loyal following and they're going to support him again in 2020, no matter what happens over the next two years. And we have to be prepared for that. And we have to turn out even more people in 2020. Also another takeaway for 2020 Democrats need to stop talking about gun control in Florida. Just stop. (laughs) Why do you say that? It's not helping them. So Gillum actually ran a last minute ad touting his support for an assault weapons ban And many people have attributed um, that to the difference between losing and winning for Gillum. So perhaps had he not done that, uh, things might look a little differently right now. Not to say that Democrats should abandon a gun reform platform, but don't make it like, don't come in at the 11th hour and be like, oh, by the way, fuck guns. That does not help your cause at all. That is so sad, though. I know. So it's not sad. fair. Especially, hey, we all forget now, but that shooting, uh, what was it, high schoolers, happened in Parkland, Florida. Yeah. At Stone, yeah, high school, Stoneman Douglas. And that still didn't sway people. It was just earlier this year. 
No, we want Rick Scott, the guy who looks like a penis, to be our senator. Uh, he's such a slimy piece of shit. I hate him so much. So uh, we are about to do a game called The Spin Room. Each of us will do some spin on the right, whether we're Sarah Huckabee or Kellyanne Conway or Trump. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about this week's sponsor. I'm really excited about them. I was uh, just yesterday, I was trying to make some tweaks to Hypable, which is not running on a platform like Squarespace. And my God, it was awful. It is not easy maintaining a website, which is why we have a developer who does all the confusing code stuff. But that's not a luxury most people can find or afford. The beauty of Squarespace is that anyone can create an amazing website and maintain it themselves. They have drag and drop tools, they have beautiful designs, and all the features you could want to make a website, whether it's a personal project or for business. Squarespace gives you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce tools so you can sell products, and the ability to buy a domain name. This is an all-in-one place to create a website. With Squarespace, you'll look like a website-creating expert And you and your website will stand out because it looks like a site that no one has seen before. And really, Squarespace helps you save a ton of time. Launching a website can take weeks or months to put together. You can spend half that time tinkering with the design to get it just right. And then the other half of the time, you'll be making sure everything works. It's honestly exhausting. But Squarespace makes things so easy for you that you'll be able to breeze through setting up your site. They'll get your site working on desktop and mobile. They'll help you buy a domain name like millennialshow.com. That's a domain name. They'll help you optimize your site for Google and they'll give you analytical data so you can see how many people are visiting your site. These are all really important tasks that you normally have to take care of yourself, but Squarespace takes care of all of it for you. So if you need to create a website, I want you to give Squarespace a try. This is the only place I'd recommend people go to for creating a site because I know that they're not going to have to ask me any questions after I refer them. I send them to Squarespace, and then I'm done. Visit squarespace.com slash M-I-L-L for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code M-I-L-L to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. All right, time to do some spin. This is always fun because we try to get into the heads of the other side. Um... Laura, would you like to go first? I have an assignment for you. You have an assignment for me? I can I can do it, I think. Yeah, I hope you have some things to put in your mouth because... Oh, I'm ready. We want you to be Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay. And uh, after I ask, I ask my question, you'll have a minute to answer. Okay. So, Sarah, the president openly mocked many of the new incoming members of Congress, calling them names such as loser or low IQ... Will that impact his ability to get anything done these next two years? Or will he attempt to work with them? So, look, um, this president has shown time and time again that he is a straight shooter. He's different from other politicians in that respect. Um, he's going to call it like he sees it. Now, will he uh, work this way with those particular members? No, he wouldn't say these types of things to their face. Um, as we've seen, he's uncomfortable being critical to people to their face. He couldn't even fire Jeff Sessions on his own. Um, so I would not anticipate this to contribute to any kind of communication issues between 
the president and the new house. Um, that said, I think the American people can definitely see what the intent is here and, and they can understand that there is a faction of crazy, angry Democrats that have taken over in the house and they'll be able to see through that and see that for what it is as well. The president is only speaking to what the American people are seeing as we've seen time and time again, the president just understands. Time's up. Aha. Uh-huh. But, but Sarah, I mean, you can't you admit that it was just mean of the president? Low IQ, loser, that's just mean. I mean, he's just calling it like he sees it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right, Pam, you are Kellyanne Conway. Are you ready? I'm ready. Kellyanne, what message do you think voters sent to Washington last night? What message did they send to President Trump? Great question. Well, I think anybody that tuned into the election results can see that the American people have agreed that Donald Trump is doing an amazing job. We heard a lot about the blue wave coming into election night, but, you know, I think that a lot of Democrats really miscalculated just how strong the red wave can be. We saw this particularly with the areas in America that Donald Trump championed for specifically with candidates that were up for election. A lot of those people brought home a win. And if you consider midterms to be, you know, a job review of how the president has been doing, I think, you know, we can all see that Americans have shown that they believe Donald Trump is passing with flying colors as far as doing an amazing job. (laughs) All right. And that was basically a minute. That sounds like something she would say. Someone do me. Do me. All right. Oh, I'll do you. Yeah. All right. You are Trump, okay? Okay. All right. Let me know when you're ready. Go ahead. Mr. President, do you take any responsibility for why Republicans lost the House last night? Why do you think they lost? So they lost. Their loss was actually the fault of the fake news media. Mostly Jim Acosta's fault. I fucking hate that guy. (laughs) For months and months, FFN, FNN, as I call them, fake news network, has been telling people that all the House members who lost, only them, by the way, that they're rapists, thugs, murderers. Many, many people have told me that the House members are just like those in the caravan That's on its way to destroy this country, by the way. They're coming. They're coming quick. Attorney General Jeff Sessions did nothing about it. Then I had to fire him. The Republican House members did a poor job of proving that they aren't a part of the caravan. I can't use the word beautiful anymore, but if I could, I would say that all these people are as beautiful as my hot daughter, Ivanka, and that they deserve to be a part of the House If you look at what's going on in the caravan, you'll see that these House members, they weren't able to escape the caravan. They were captured by Mexican drug lords, thrown into the (laughs) caravan. I'm not done explaining what happened to them, Laura. So it's funny because you sounded a lot how he sounded in his press conference today. Jim, you are fake news. He so <laughs> the reference to Jim Acosta was so great because he was just so verbally abusive towards him in particular, but towards all of the journalists who were in that room. 
Um, he, and previously he had referred to a black reporter as being racist for asking him why he said he was a nationalist. Uh, So I watched this video of Trump chastising Jim Acosta. And I actually have to say, I agree with Trump lashing out against him because Jim Acosta did ask a question. He's like front row, right in Trump's face. He asks a question Trump answers it and then tries to go and take another question. And then an aide is trying to take the mic away from Jim Acosta. But Jim Acosta is just barreling forward, completely ignoring that Trump is going to a different question and that somebody's taking his mic away. Like, I just actually thought he shouldn't have conducted himself that way, to be honest with you. I don't think that Trump has given these journalists a choice, though. But he was able to ask a question. And isn't that enough, knowing that Trump absolutely hates you just take a question and be happy that he took one question from you and by the way cnn should probably take jim acosta out of the white house because it's very clear that trump absolutely despises this guy in particular and maybe they would be able to get a little more uh time with the president in settings like this if it was somebody else probably a hot woman that would that would be helpful um but yeah, I just I, there's just too much bad blood there, and Jim Acosta shouldn't be there anymore. I am going to stand by what I said earlier in that Trump is not giving these journalists much of a choice. Okay. But to be combative, um, he literally called them the enemy of the people again today. Yeah, I mean, that's a big problem. That unfortunately isn't going away, even though his supporters are mailing pipe bombs to CNN now. Yep. All right. So um, let's take some feedback from some of our listeners. We'll start with a confessional. Pam, would you like to kick us off? Sure. This one says, for state and local elections, I don't believe that outside the state money or voices should be involved in a campaign. I believe this for both Democrats, which I identify as, and Republicans. I, too, want the blue wave to rise up and retake the country to counteract dumpster man. But I believe campaigns should be about the constituents and candidates, the constituents the candidate is supposed to serve. Maybe that's naive, but I live in a state, Montana, where no one really gives a crap about our politics or issues until election season. And then 70 percent of the money involved is from sources outside the state. And once the election is over, people go right back to ignoring the pretty dire issues we have. I may be triggered right now because Dumpsterhead is making his third visit here to campaign against our senator. What do you guys think? Do you get frustrated when outside voices and money contributing to your state and local contribute to your state and local elections? Or do you think it's part of the process? I think it's part of the process, especially with the Senate. I mean, Trump was just here not long ago either. So I understand how you're feeling. But even though your senator is representing your state, they are they are still an employee of the federal government and they're making decisions for the entire country. They're just representing your state in particular while they do it. Um, as to like actually local elections, like governor or school board, like getting down to the nitty gritty, I could see where you're coming from. I don't know if I totally agree with it, but when something is truly local and doesn't have any far-reaching effects in terms of, you know, laws that get passed for the whole country, 
I can get on board a little bit easier with it from that perspective. That makes sense. Yeah. I agree with you, but I also understand where this person is coming from because they're mm-hmm. saying, Hey, I, these people are coming in, throwing in money and then leaving, not caring about what happens. These people don't actually care about us. But I also wonder, confessional writer, what would happen if there was some law that said you could only receive contributions from people who, I don't know, live in the state or something like that. That would, that would seriously affect some people's coffers. Take Beto, for instance. He might not have done as well if he didn't have a lot of outside money. So that's a dangerous territory you might be entering if, you, if, if that were to happen. Also, we just need election finance reform just in general. Um, the fact that we spend as much money on we do on election as we do on elections is criminal. We yeah. need to take uh, a leaf out of some other countries' books and have much shorter election cycles and have limits on the amount of money that a campaign can raise. Yeah. I mean, also no- probably change who ends up being able to run mm-hmm. because a lot of it is is determined by wealth and whether you can afford to run. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's get away from politics now. This is from Kathleen. Hi, guys. Just listened to your latest episode, and I wanted to chime in on how easy it can be to go vegetarian. I just started this past January and agree with Laura that I haven't missed it at all. My partner isn't fully vegetarian, but since I do most of the cooking, he's almost vegetarian by default and hasn't complained. And I just wanted to quickly say that the U.S. has so many more vegetarian options at the grocery store than other countries, like Canada, where I live. And I hope that as more people start eating more plant-based, that these options continue to grow and make it easier for anyone considering making the switch. Thanks so much for taking the time to discuss it on the show. Totally true. Very My good. boyfriend is also a complete carnivore, but as a result of being around me, he ends up eating a lot less meat when I'm in the picture. Um, yeah. Not to say he doesn't eat any at all, but he's very conscious of the fact that, you know, I'm not going to eat a dish that has meat as like the main staple of it. So he's the one who does most of the cooking. And when he cooks, it's almost always a vegetarian or pescatarian dish. My last boyfriend was vegetarian and the same thing happened to me. Like when we were living together, I was not eating meat at all because we would uh, have dinner together, of course, and we would be making vegetarian meals. I mean, we did not eat. He he quickly actually turned me on to um, tacos with refried beans instead of Mm -hmm. meat. And they're actually quite good. (laughs) Yep. Next email from Caleb. This is really late, but Laura's mentioned participating in NaNoWriMo, and it'd be really helpful to myself and other listeners participating this year to hear more about her experience. Also, she's mentioned resources she's used, and it would be great to hear you guys discuss them. Please please consider adding some of this to your next show. Laura, are you doing it this year? Yeah, I'm a really bad example, though. Uh, It is November 7th, and I haven't actually written anything yet. So please don't look up to me for this. I did it last year um, and wrote about 15,000 words. So I came pretty came pretty short of my goal. Um, but I was so glad that I did something. It was more than I started out with, certainly. I do have a story idea kicking around in my head. Um, 
really disturbing me because the story idea I had last year was also uh, for a dystopian future or perhaps present. And so is this one. I sense a theme here. <laughs> is that fun to write about? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you just got to get it out of your head? Yeah, basically. I told my mom about my idea and she was like, I think you've been living under Donald Trump too long. <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of resources, I would heavily recommend uh, the NaNoWriMo website. They have a ton of stuff. Um, last year, I used this exercise where you had to answer a bunch of questions from the perspective of your protagonist, just to sort of help you get to know them a little better and kind of develop their backstory and everything. And it just gives you a more fleshed out character than I think you would have if you just sat down and just started writing from that person's perspective without any, you know, pre-work. Mm. Um, so I would check that out. Also, there are NaNoWriMo meetups, both digitally and in person, um, especially in major cities. So definitely check that out. There is also a special millennial group for listeners of the show who are participating. Oh. So I believe you can find a link to that somewhere in our millennial group. It's facebook.com slash millennial show. Is that right? Andrew slash group slash millennial show. Yes. Slash group slash millennial show. Yeah. So if you go there, um, several of the members of that group are also participating. You can probably find a link there, join up. um, And people there are just being amazingly supportive, uh, giving each other prompts and different ideas for ways that they can develop the work Mm -hmm. that they are putting together. So Mm -hmm. best of luck. I must issue a correction earlier. I said they dropped a piano on Ann Coulter's sister. <laughs> I meant they dropped a house. She's the Wicked Witch of the West. Thank you, Amber. I was... Piano, house, potato, potato. <laughs> I was thinking like Looney Tunes when a piano falls on somebody. <laughs> Thank you uh, for correcting that. We have two more messages to get to, but our second sponsor for this week's episode is Policy Genius. You know them, you love them. They are the go-to place for anyone searching for any type of insurance policy. We all need insurance for our home, our pets, our health, our cars, and even our life. Life insurance isn't the most enjoyable thing to think about. Most people don't like thinking about dying, understandably. But actually having life insurance is a really good feeling. It's nice to know that if anything were to happen to you, your family won't have to start a GoFundMe to stay afloat. Your family will be in good hands should they need to use a life insurance policy. Policy Genius is the way to quickly and easily compare quotes from the top insurers to find the best policy for you. It's so simple. I visited Policy Genius recently to look at health insurance policies because I, like many people, have been nudged to start looking for 2019 policies. It asks you a couple of questions about what you're trying to insure, and just like that, you're given a bunch of policy options from all the insurers you've heard of. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. If you care about it, they can cover it. Life insurance is the one they've been really encouraging people to look into recently since most people don't think about it. So if you've been avoiding getting life insurance because it's difficult or confusing, give Policy Genius a try. Just go to policygenius.com, get your quotes, and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. Policy Genius is the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All right, so uh, this is from Kara. I saw this, she says, I saw this article and thought of Andrew complaining about the homeless guy not picking up trash. Thought it was awesome. 
In San Jose, homeless people will be paid $15 an hour to pick up trash in hot spots. That is awesome. Pam, there's a trash problem in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, it depends on where you are. Because I've heard San Francisco has gotten really problematic. It's, I mean, like the homeless issue is pretty bad. I uh, Honestly, the last time I was in downtown, I was a little bit more preoccupied with all the stupid motorized scooters in the middle of the road because the uh, sidewalks are so narrow down there. But yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely litter in larger cities is always a really big problem. Mm-hmm. But the homeless problem is really big. So um, it's interesting that uh, San Jose has come up with this tactic because obviously, you know, if you pay somebody, it's possible they could get themselves back up on their feet but it also depends on a lot of different factors. Yeah. So I had said something um, a few months ago because this homeless man moved into my local park and I it was kind of mean what I said in hindsight. <laughs> I said, this guy's just sitting there all day. Why doesn't he do something? So I think this is a great idea. Basically for that same argument, for that same reason, I I brought up like, you know, why don't you let them do something good for the city and pay them for it? Absolutely, I'm for that. They can help beautify the city. Fifteen hour, fifteen dollars an hour is great too. Last confessional reads: I'm seriously considering going to a gay bathhouse in my local city that I just learned about online. Until today, I only had a vague idea of what they were, and I had no idea that they were still somewhat of a thing that existed. It just sounds so intriguing and fun, but it's not really like me to do something like that. I'm kind of shy around new people and self-conscious about my body, but I just can't shake this urge to go and try and have some fun. Does this sound crazy or dangerous? I'll, of course, be safe and use protection, but I'm still nervous. I, I don't. Per- I've never heard of a gay bathhouse. Really, I this was a '70s thing, like a '70s '80s thing. So there's still a very active one here in Chicago, here in Boys Town, actually. Like it's very easy to get to. <laughs> I have not been there, nor would I ever personally go. But I say fucking go for it, because it 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 feels good to. Um, enter situations that are scary. I'm not just talking about gay stuff. I'm just talking about life in general. Like, challenge yourself to do something that you're interested in doing but nervous to do. You'll come out of it feeling great. A, because you just got laid. But B, because you challenged yourself to something and you did it. So, just to clarify, this is a bathhouse except you go to hook up? Yes. Okay. It's like Grinder before Grinder. Oh. it Sounds fun. It's full-blown hooking up. I mean, it it's not just blowjobs. Like, people are fucking each other. There's orgies going on. It's it's actually shocking to me that in this day and age, that kind of thing is still allowed to operate. <laughs> I guess since it's consensual, no one's paying for anything. Yeah. That people know of. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm glad to hear that you're going to be safe and you're going to use protection because that's important. Yeah, that would be idiotic to go into a situation like that and uh, put yourself in danger. But I, I say go for it just to introduce yourself to a new experience. And I bet you'll come out of it being like, I'm glad I tried that. I'm trying to find the name of the 
bathhouse here. I know you two really are thinking of going to it. I should have sent Mark to it. I should have told him it was like <laughs> a, a thrift shop a or spa. something. A spa. <laughs> hey, Mark, you got to relax. Check out this. You'll be so spa. relaxed when you leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he'd probably be like, you know, everyone's a little bit gay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have like went in like, I wonder if you can go in and just like observe the uh, Chicago one is called Steamworks. And it has a 4.1 on Google. So people seem pretty satisfied. And in, in After Dark today, we're going to call a few of our listeners. And we're also going to play the number midterms edition. We have some more interesting stats to share. Just want to plug our website, millennialshow.com. You can get all the information you need, including links to our advertisers. If you want to know what the discount codes are and whatnot, we've got them all available on the advertiser deals page We'd also love your support over at Patreon, and we've got that new $1 DTF level down to fund, patreon.com slash millennial. And you can also watch Laura, Pat, Mark kind of, Laura's mom, Canela, Laura's dog, Brooklyn, Andrew's dog. We all make cameos in this hour live stream. It was a lot of fun. It really was. Uh, I just want to say I am impressed with how coherent I come across because at the time I felt like I wasn't making any sense. Why? Because I was a little, you know, inhibited. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know you lived in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) So to uh, send us off today, I I think we should play. Oh, I just blew the secret damn it play a special song for jeff sessions thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm laura and i'm pamela bye everybody i don't recall it i don't recall repeat that now i don't recall any i don't recall it i don't recall repeat that now i don't recall that i have racked my brain and i don't recall it and it's conceivable that that occurred i don't remember that it did repeat that now nor do i recall do not have recollection do not remember it so my question is what nor do i recall do not have recollection do not remember it. not able to uh, be rushed this fast it makes me nervous Kamala Harris makes jeff nervous Kamala Harris makes jeff nervous Kamala Harris. i could listen to that all day Oh, holy shit. The White House (laughs) banned Jim Acosta. Uh, See, I knew they would take care of this. (laughs) What what the fuck? What is democracy? What is it? Apparently because of, quote, placing hands on a White House aide trying to take the mic away from him. Did he touch her? I thought he just kind of held the microphone away. she She touched him. Yeah, that was a shitty excuse. Yeah. A lot of people are mad about this. But I'm telling you, yeah. though, it's for the best. That is not a good relationship. I, but the point is, though, it's still silencing the press. Yes. I wish it was CNN who said, hey, Jim, let's reassign you. Let's put you somewhere else. But right. 